You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front-row seat to all of the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more of the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app now and sign up using promo code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's promo code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Welcome back to the Two Stars One Cup podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Shippy, and joining me as always is the great Craig Ludwig. Luds, how are you doing today, man? I'm good, Chip. What's new with you? Anything? Uh, nothing new. Nothing new. You know, uh, about as uh, same old, same old. You know, it's uh, just kind of like uh, Anton Hudobin bailing this team out. You know, I'm just kind of doing the same stuff, different day. What about you? I know you've been on some uh, trips lately. How's, how's your life been treating you? Yeah, uh, we were in uh, Florida, then we went to Denver, and now we go to Phoenix next week with our U18 team. But uh, we got snowed into Denver, so we missed all the uh, a lot of the excitement going on here. We didn't get in here till I don't know what it was Tuesday or Wednesday of of the apocalypse, as uh, the Texan people uh, approached it. So I was um, about to ask, came out of it. I was about to ask you, um, was it colder in Denver or was it colder here when you were out of town? You know. Were you checking when on I that? Was, the day that I was flying out, um, I think it was about six or seven here. It was 43 degrees in Denver. <laughs> Golly. So, yeah, I actually took a video of all the snow and everything was melting running down the street, and there was just a little stream of water up there. Uh, we actually were in Colorado. We were in Denver, and then we went to Colorado Springs. And, so we, well, and then we went back to Denver to try to catch some flights out, and it took us two couple days before we could actually get on a flight that would come back here and then i saw on the news about a day after we got back there was another united we were on united and there was another flight that was coming from denver somewhere and half the plane fell off in some place and there were parts laying all over somebody's yard in a tree so good thing is we missed that flight well uh the good news is too that the dallas stars have finally got a win it seems like i think the last win was february the 2nd um and you know tonight's game against the florida panthers there's a lot of good things to there's a lot of good things i thought i saw from the team in terms of you know especially early on getting on the board 57 seconds i believe into the game was you know that's always a really nice thing but there was one that's one thing i know you're telling me there are a lot of them okay okay so it's going to be two adobin's two um jason robertson continues to look really good out on the ice you you know disagree with that yeah no, I don't disagree. Okay, yeah. so you know that's like three or is that 2.5 or? 2.5, I'd say. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, 
The uh, appearance of Miro Haskinen and John Klingberg at the back of the power play, I thought looked really good. I was going to get your thoughts on that. I don't know if you noticed that, that they changed them out on the back instead of having that fourth forward out yeah. there. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that as, as hot as they were to come out of the shoot, out of the gate this year, everything just was going right. And then you hit a little uh, a dry spot, which they were going to. I mean, we even said it early on. There, there's no way they're going to keep up that pace. Um, you know, and then things don't work as, as well. I don't think you use that standard at the beginning of the year because they knew that was not going to continue. Um, mm-hmm. But then there were some things that weren't going the way that they wanted it to. And it's what all teams do. When things aren't going the way you want it to, especially uh, when you don't have a lot of runway and be the season, you know, the way it's going in 56 games, you don't really have a lot of time to to tinker around with things, especially now. Dallas really has no time to They've got to play 43 games in the next 76 days. I did some math, okay, and I'm sure. I don't like math. I'm glad you handled that. Well, well, the three people that are probably watching can fact check this, but I I believe two right now. Two? Okay. Well, we got fifty-two. Fifty-two. Oh, fifty-two. Yeah. We're going places. We're going going places, buds. (laughs) It's a four o'clock. It's a four o'clock start. Yeah. So you're saying they're not in bed yet? Because I'm getting ready to go out. I'm hoping this is an abbreviated show. It's Wednesday night. It's hump day. Got to get out of here. Uh, anyway, so it is the no, way I, I look at I gotta it, get out of here too. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're all you're going to do is turn around and go to bed. Uh, you're probably laying in your bed right now, like a couple of the other times, which is disgusting to even think about. Anyway, so that was so that one episode. That was one episode. I've moved past your bed. So what 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 are we on for? What'd you say it was 40, 43 games or so in uh, uh, seventy five days? Forty three games like in the next seventy six days. Yeah. You know what that. It, when you look at it, I, I was doing this. I was driving down to the rink today in my head, so I didn't I had my shoes and socks off and everything as much as I could stay on the road. But I, I had it. If you think about three games in five days, 14 times of those, 14 times you're going to play approximately three games in five days. Uh-huh. So if you're, if you're the coaching staff, if you're the management, and, and again, you brought up, uh, you brought up guys like Robertson and you know, then there's Camano and you know all the young guys. For the most part, you're not out in front. You're you know you're gonna you're probably gonna be fighting. Well, who knows? But you may be fighting for that fourth, third, or fourth spot. Let's just say for a playoff spot. So you don't usually lean on and depend on your younger players. And so you're gonna lean on your veterans. You know the Jamie Benz and Pavelskis and Comos and you know guys like that. Klingberg. Uh, Sekera. So you're going to lean on all those guys. And when you're playing, what, every other day and a half or day and three quarters or whatever, you have to be worried about fatigue and you have to be worried about tired injuries. And and when you've got guys that are, you know, you've got Klingberg, you've got uh, Haskin, and I don't, I don't consider him an older guy, obviously, but like Jamie and Pavelski, I think Pavelski's like leading the forwards in, in time on ice. You know, so you had a 36-year-old that is playing 20-plus minutes a night here. Um, so they're going to have to find their rest, which leads to they need days off when you do get a day off. And mm-hmm. so if things are going well, awesome. And if there's things that need to be tweaked, you don't really have a lot of practice time because you can't expect those guys to go on the ice in between that one day and you're playing back-to-back games somewhere along the way. So it'll be interesting to see how the coaching staff handles it. And that leads us right into the guy that, uh, I don't know if he stole them the game. I think he stole the game today. It was Hugh Dobin. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was important that they won this game today 
because now, and I don't, I don't look at the last two nights against Florida as those easy games that we talked about. You know, if a goaltender gets 30, 35 plus shots, well, this was what 50 plus and 40 plus tonight. Yeah. So there's a workload there. And, and so it's nice that they got the two points out of this one tonight, because if I was going to guess, I, I would think that maybe Ottinger gets an opportunity, you know, coming back right away now, um, because the last thing you want is to have, and your goaltender's not just sitting there making one save and it goes off to the side. He's making one and then two and sometimes three, and he's going from one side of the ice to the other side of the ice. So there's a lot of scrambling around. There's a lot of work that went into that game tonight. So, um, I think he, as much as he probably wants to play the next game, I think, you know, when you look at the big picture, which is a small picture this year, he made best thing for him is maybe to get some rest. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned it, uh, and, and Rick bonus mentioned it after the last game, just, you know, talking about how many games they have in such a, you know, like a smaller window of time. And he, he said that it looks like it's got injuries written all over it, you know, and that's just, yeah. it's exactly what you just said with it's, uh, you know, just the fatigue injuries where it's, you know, hey, you pull a muscle here, pull a muscle there. And they're, you know, they're still looking forward to the return of Alexander Radulov. I believe next week is what bonus said would be at the earliest. So we see Rad's back. Mm-hmm. So maybe halfway through this next upcoming homestand as the NHL has rescheduled the four postponed games um, that, you know, we'd lost due to the the snowmageddon or the Alaska, as you, I don't know if you saw people calling it around here. No. Um, although I did see a note that it was one day it was like, colder here than it was in anchorage alaska and i i did not sign up for that when i decided i was going to live in dallas texas um let's see what do you okay i want to talk about this from the other night against the florida panthers and it maybe didn't go as well as one would have hoped or i'm sure as he would have hoped but john klingberg getting in his first fight uh with patrick hornquist and you saw tonight it was after one of Doby's saves klingberg came over and, and pushed hornquist down to the ice like pretty emphatically was that and, and I Klingberg said he could feel that the team needed kind of that sort of spark. First of all, what did you think of Klingberg's first fight? And is that a budding little rivalry there? Is there some history between those two? Uh, I guess, I guess that just be, they've just come up with in the last probably game. Probably a lot of people that may debate the calling it a fight. Um, so, but but I mean, his gloves were off and he threw a couple punches. So uh, from from Klinger, I you know what. I give him a ton of credit because that's not that's not really in his portfolio, but but that's a guy that you know I talked about this last time we spoke is you know with guys when they get letters on their chest and sometimes you've got to do things outside your character and outside your comfort zone. I, I shouldn't say character because I think John Klingberg has become a a very important part of that team, um, obviously on the ice, but in the locker room also. And I think there's a lot of young guys that look up to him the way that he plays and things that he does. And so sometimes you have to do those things. And that's the camaraderie that you have, you know, with a group of 22, 23 guys. And, and mm-hmm. it, it goes a long way. Um, so, you know, I give him credit for sticking up. I, you know what, again, these guys, th- this is what happens when you play in this kind of a, a format. Now, when you're playing teams that you usually only see once on the road and once at home, you're, mm-hmm. you're seeing them two, three times in a row and seven, eight times over the course of the year. And so there's, there's these new rivalries and not only that, they're going to be battling for the remainder of this, uh, this season and jockeying for positions as far as where they're going to be heading into the playoffs. So um, there's a lot on the line early and often this year, every game becomes important. Every two points become important because you're, it's not those games that when you play 
and usually if you play against say the New York Rangers during the regular season, it's, it's, it always hurts when you don't get a couple points, but it doesn't really come back to haunt you later. Um, whereas these kind of games in this 56 game schedule, and these are the teams that you're playing every night to fight for four spots. So mm-hmm. they become just that much more important. In previous seasons, and, you know, we've talked about this, just, hey, you're only four points behind a certain team, and you're kind of worried about that because typically you're not only playing your divisional opponents. Does that change, obviously, this season? Because it's a little bit easier to make up that ground. When you look at the standings, if you see, you know, they're obviously like six points out of fourth place, you know, down the stretch. Are you more, I guess, confident or more, you know, comfortable with them in that scenario than in, in, a, in a regular NHL season? Because – you know, on those nights, typically they're they're picking up one or two points, potentially against another team that's outside of your division. Yeah, I, I mean, I think what what really uh, makes it important is there's a couple other teams here that are they're trying to bring themselves into the dance. I mean, who expected Chicago to be up and doing what they're doing right now? Yeah. And, um, they've probably been the surprise of the division, um, and Columbus is is right in that mix too. So you know, I think there's a couple teams. I, I think when we expected. It to be Chicago, Nashville, and Detroit, um, and then Columbus would kind of be hanging around in there. Now Chicago has thrown themselves in there, and so that that just puts the importance on you know those games also. Um, obviously, when you've got the Tampa Bay's and the Floridas, Carolina, you know that those are the teams that you're kind of battling for position. Or at least you hope you are. You're battling for position all year long, and every time you play those games, it's, it's important and. And, and then it then it comes down to, well, who's going to take the two points away from Nashville and who's going to take them away from Detroit? And, and if they're taking them, you have to make sure you're taking them. So so all these games become important every single night. And, you know, it's going to come down. I mean, it could come down to how many how many extra points do you get? How many of those ties do you actually get into where you don't get the zeros? I mean, it's not, I don't know mm-hmm. if it's always going to be about collecting two points, but you at least have to collect one um, to get your, keep yourself in that conversation. Because when I look at – you know, the schedule the way it is. And, you know, and again, you don't always want to look too far forward. It's hard. Well, we can do that. They can't really. They got to look at that next game. But they've got their last seven games of the year. I think it's seven. They're all on the road. And and they've got Chicago the last yeah. two games of the regular season. So, um, you know, it could come down to those two games. I mean, it could come down to that. And maybe Florida drops or Carolina drops or whoever it is. Or maybe Columbus is hanging around the mix. And, and, and Columbus all of a sudden – uh, ends up sitting in fourth place with two to three weeks to go in the regular season, and you don't play any times against them. And so, you know, every single game becomes important every single night now in this format that they have. Um, I don't know if you saw the comments also from Bonus after last game, but he t- he said that the rookies looked overwhelmed uh, in that first game against Florida and that the veterans just looked sloppy and that like they weren't on their game. I'm paraphrasing there, but he, that's basically what he said, and he called out basically the entire team – if you're in that locker room, what is that? I mean, is that something that I mean, we've talked before about how, you know, you got to be player friendly and things like that. But do the do the players take it, you know, some type of way because their coach is calling them out like that? Or do you think they looked at it and like, coach, you're right. We sucked that game. Uh, this is a club that went to the Stanley Cup finals last year. They sh- they knew it at the end yeah. of the second period when they scurried into the locker room and they crawled off the ice at the end of the second period. And Hudobin faced what was it? Twenty. 20- 20, 30 20, shots or something? Yeah, 29, 29 shots, shots in a second, yeah. It, it's kind of hard to walk into that locker room. I, you know, I've, we've all been there, uh, maybe not not that many and, and, and not at that, that not that drastically, but it's hard to look your goaltender in the eye 
Like, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, first off, he's probably staring at the floor if he's not laying on the floor with water bottles and towels and everything on him trying to cool down. But it's hard to look those guys in the eye um, when you know that you did absolutely nothing for him and he's leaving everything on the line. You still got another 20 minutes out there to play. So yeah. I was kind of worried about that second period tonight because it seemed like it was kind of setting up for that kind of thing. And it's another thing that I, I wonder, it's just curiosity is because Dallas has had you know, all these little breaks and pauses and start and stop for seven, eight days, they come out and look pretty, pretty good or uh, better than they do in the second period. In the first period, they come out and they got a little bit of jump. Then all of a sudden it seems to tail off and the other team can kind of push. And, and next thing you know, you know, they're putting up another 15, 18 shots in a period. And I, and I just wonder how much of that, because there's a total difference in being in practice shape and in game shape. And they can go ahead and practice all they want. And they had a ton of practices lately. It was funny because you came into this season, everybody was complaining about not enough practice time and how do we work on our systems and get the penalty killing, get your lines all straightened out. And because you got to, you know, you got to all kind of be on the same page. Next thing you know, that's all they're doing is practicing. But unfortunately, when you're in practice, you don't go the same against each other. Your goalies don't see the same kind of traffic. You don't get into the same kind of battle drills in the corners in front of the defenseman. And, and for the forward, they don't have to fight through as much to get to, to the front of the net to get those second and third opportunities. So I just wonder now we're going to, you know, uh, they're going to start to get into game shape and you hope they're getting into game shape and, and they're not getting just tired. Um, so, because it just seems like they play the first 20 minutes and that next 20 that comes up, they're kind of back on their heels a little bit. And, and I, and it's not because they're not mentally ready to go. Uh, I truly don't believe that's the case. I just wonder if their legs are where they would normally be if they played, you know, 15, 20 games on a normal pace, like everybody else. And if you're looking to get your beard game right, Lutz, I've got the right beard men's hair care product for you. It's called Ish Beard Works. They make lightly scented, handcrafted, all-natural men's grooming products for the man who wants to look good without smelling like a pine tree farted in his face. And guess what? They don't donate a portion of the profits to charities that support children in foster care and awaiting adoptions. Not only are you getting your beard game right, you're helping out a kid or some children in need as well. So go to ishbeardworks.com. Ish Beardworks, that's I-S-C-H, beardworks.com, and check everything that they have to take your beard game and hygiene to the next level. Ish Beardworks is the proud official sponsor of this official Dallas Stars Focus podcast and official creator of the baddest-ass beards in all of DFW. It's the Ish, so can you. And, Luds, I want to, real quick before I want to get off of the Dallas Stars for just a second because I was surprised by this news with uh, Claude Julian being relieved of his duties today and Montreal. It didn't seem like uh, I mean I haven't really followed the Montreal Canadiens. I know you as a you know former Canadian, you might have some more insight on this. Do you do you understand what was going on there? Why they decided to relieve him of his duties? Well, I actually do a almost like a weekly show there with one of my former uh, teammates, and Chris Nyland does a show out of Montreal, and so um, you know. What went behind Burge's thought, Mark Burge and uh, the GM, I, I told those guys a few days ago when I did it, and this was when things were a little bit better than they were today or yesterday. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of teams, well, you'll say things about certain teams, and you'll, tell, you'll say that they take on the personality of their head coach, the way players play the game and things like that, and people have heard that before. And I said about Mark Bergevin is that they, to me, they took on the personality of – their general manager from the standpoint of how he dresses and, and Burge is a real sharp dresser. You know, he's got them French suits and the Montreal suits and 
his shoes, his socks match his shoes, and his pants match the socks and shoes, and then he gets the pocket square that ties everything together that goes with the tie. And I thought what he did in Montreal is, and, and what it was, what I meant by that is he found a way to complement the guys that have been there for a long time by bringing in Anderson. Uh, you know, they got they shipped Domi out, and they, they brought in a couple other players that fit into that team really well on lines at D partners. They brought in a guy that Sherratt that I liked a lot when he was in. Uh, in Ottawa. So deep partners kind of complement each other. Their lines now and line mates, they kind of complement each other. And they got a real good start to the season. They were battling back and forth to Toronto. Toronto's got a better, um, I'd say, more skilled team. Um, Carey Price has not played the way that Carey Price is capable of playing uh, for Montreal. But I believe that Montreal, the, the, the club that he put together, it's built for the playoffs. And, and I think if you get into a playoffs and you're playing the same team every night for 14 days, um, I think that they can probably push Toronto out of it or Edmonton out of it. Um, that's now if they get there. But to answer your question, I think there's a lot of high hopes. And I think there was a lot of positivity around there. And all of a sudden, things started to spiral. And even though it's only, what, 16, 18 games or whatever they played, and they pulled the trigger on, on uh, Claude, on Julia, um, he didn't want it to get away from him. And I think what he wanted, he he want, he needed to change the atmosphere that was going on in the room. Shea Weber had come out, the captain there, uh, had come out and said that there were there, there was a smell in the locker room a couple of days ago. Things just weren't right, mm-hmm. and and it's and he took it upon himself to say, you know, I got to change this thing because something's not right here. And so, <clears throat> I think Bergevin kept watching that team kind of not compete and 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 lose games, and you know they they haven't done well in their last eight to ten games, and. Even though, and it's not an 82-game schedule. And so if you look at this being 18 games or so, it's about the halfway point of a regular season. And so I think he looked at it like that. And and I think that he's he's his rope is probably getting a little short, too. Burge has been there for five, six years. Um, he's been accused of not doing enough. And I think this summer his piggy bank was pretty big. Did a good job stocking things up and some dollars and brought in some some players that were important players that turned the tempo and the team around. And I think as he was, he just didn't want it to linger too long. And I think he wanted to bring in some, a fresh voice. Um, I'm surprised he got rid of Kirky, Kirk Muller, who played here and yep. been around for a long, long time. I think he's he's kind of like Rick Bonus. He's one of those great uh, assistant coaches that is a great buffer between the the players and the and the head coach. So um, I just think he didn't want to wait any longer. And, and you know, it's something something's just not right. And it may be the message, and sometimes you lose some players in a locker room and they're not listening to, to what's coming out of the, the coach's office. And and I think he doesn't want this to get away from him. I think he feels like he's got a team. Now, they still be hanging around in second place or so, but they're kind of tinkering in fourth or fifth yeah. place right now. And I think he wanted to he wanted to get the train back on the track. And, uh, you know, just to kind of go off of what you're talking about, I can relate this now to the Stars because after the last game, Rick Bonus came out and said, hey, look, our you know penalty kill was three for three or their power play was 0 for three, whichever way you want to say it. But don't let it fool you. Our penalty kill was not great tonight. It looked like the penalty kill was a lot better tonight. Did you see that same sort of improvement uh, out of the PK unit tonight from the Dallas Stars? I thought the a couple of the most important uh, things that happened in the game tonight, obviously, is Klinger scoring in the first minute of the game. I mean, anytime you can score the first goal in a game, it's obviously huge. When you look at the analytics of who win, typically wins hockey games, there's a better chance of winning a game when you score the first goal. Uh, obviously, Hugh Dobin uh, was a huge key again, what uh-huh. he did. And I thought the last penalty kill, uh, you know, they, it was 2-0, um, and, and it was the older guys. It was, you know, Como, 
uh, I write off that face-off. Um, there was a face-off there that actually Dallas lost, but because of Como, we kind of dove out, uh, got a stick on the puck, and it goes out of the zone. Typically, now with teams, they, they win a draw on a power play in the offensive zone. The first thing they want to do is get a shot right away. You want to get people chasing back to the net, so they find a way to get that first DDD, D to the winger, get the puck up right away and create a scramble and get it on another opportunity, and it took that away. And I thought he did a, that little bit of extra effort, um, that little dive, got the puck out, and there was a little bit of a scramble. It ended up putting it down, and then they never really got on track after that. So I felt that the penalty kill, Jason Dickinson, good a job. He, he really always does a really good job on penalty kill. I think the Fox, uh, those kind of guys. I, I think that was a, a, big, a big key to the hockey game, um, having a 2-0 lead. Um, because then they ultimately ended up pulling their goaltender. They had a six on four. They survived that. Um, obviously, Hugh Dobin had to make a couple saves in that in that uh, sequence also. So those are the three things for me. I, Hugh Dobin stood out for me the most, obviously. Uh, but that last two minutes or three minutes, I guess it was, that, that last penalty kill I thought was huge. Not to even allow him to cut that lead in half and start to put the pressure back on and, and be a 2-1 hockey game with a minute and a half, two minutes to go. And it seemed to, it seemed to tonight that the Stars blocked a lot more shots. You know, it seemed like they were just in the way of a lot of really good scoring opportunities. And, you know, you mentioned it earlier. During that second period, it was starting to look like the Panthers were going to repeat their second period from a couple nights ago and just totally bombard Hudobin and, and, you know, and the Dallas Stars. But they were kind of able to weather that storm. But I felt like overall all night I saw more bodies getting in the way of pucks and more block shots and things like that. Real active sticks too, when they were trying to go across the, you know, across the offensive zone and things like that. It just looked to me like this team was more focused and I guess more, I don't, I don't want to say they were like hustling harder, but it just looked like they were more active. I guess active would be the right word. I'm looking I for. think what, what they did, I think the best way to describe it is, is they played more like it was a playoff game and, and that, you know, they weren't happy. Um, there was a, there was a bigger commitment to do all the little things and the things you don't necessarily like to do. I thought they came out, they were physical. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you cross that line a little bit and, you, you know, you can give the team a little bit of momentum by putting them on the power play, which happened a couple of times. But, but I thought they came out and they said, you know what, we, we didn't do what we were supposed to the last time we played these guys and we're going to come out and we're going to try to take the momentum, take the game and, and control the game. And then they were able to weather the storm in the second period, so to speak, when they, they started to generate some more opportunities and, you know, to me, there was the other difference in the game, I think, for a lot of it is when they ended up, Dallas ended up getting shots at uh, in Florida's end, it was kind of like one and done. And when you notice when the Florida were getting shots on on, on the Stars goaltender, Doby had to make one and then two, and he had to look around a lot of traffic. There was another big save that he made, um, and it, it was uh, – it was a shot that came from Hudobin's left, and he had a kind of threw a bunch of traffic, and he threw his shoulder into it. So Hudobin was Hudobin tonight, and and the pucks were, and all that was again. It it's not technique. It's 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 just a guy that doesn't quit on anything, mm -hmm. and, and he finds a way to battle his way through it. And and I think that these guys felt like they let him down in the first game that they played there, um, as far as an effort in front of them. And I think that they were determined not to let that happen tonight. And then it started to get away again uh, a little bit there in the second. And I think you saw him dig down and, and kind of reach out and and uh, try to dig down a little bit and make sure they're going to get the win for their goaltender that saved their butts a couple nights, a couple days earlier. I remember you're watching the Two Stars, One Cup podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Shippy, and joining me as always is Craig Ludwig at Taz3311 on Twitter. 